Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It's good to be back with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com, for more information about our work and to find our library of just over 100 episodes. That is shocking to me that we've been at this for two full years now. And what, what a blessing it is to be with you again. Our sponsor is CFS Financial. That is my company, CFS Financial. We don't take your donations. We don't have sponsors. My company, CFS Financial, works with Christian schools primarily, but other parachurch ministries and churches throughout the United States on matters of debt negotiation, reconciliation, acquiring new debt, the elimination of debt, uh, strategic planning, governance, and the like. All things financial, really, including strategic planning and board governance. We've been at this for about 10 years. I enjoyed a lengthy 28-year banking career and bring all of that experience to bear in the work of CFS Financial. I also teach, and uh, we are in the summertime now, so I have a little more free time, and I, I am especially excited about this episode. I've titled it, A Wedding Answered Prayer and a Promise, which probably sounds strange. And there's a chance that I have jet lag right now. I don't know whether it's jet lag or just fatigue or perhaps emotional fatigue, because our daughter, who is our only child, uh, was married a few days ago and we're back home now and you know i record these episodes in advance but um, she was married to daniel soller in rochester new york actually in webster new york just outside of rochester so what an exciting time it, you know it is it's wonderful and and emotionally draining uh, daniel if if i can talk about him for a moment is is just a joy to be around he he is the kind of young man every parent a uh, christian parent of a daughter would want their daughter to marry he he just uh, I, I i i'm not going to gush and spend a lot of time talking about him on this podcast episode it would be embarrassing to him but he is just a delight to get to know and we are excited about their marriage, which is now, as of this recording, about four days old. How cool is that? And I also want to shout out to uh, Daniel's parents, um, who uh, Stan and Cheryl, who uh, were, were so gracious through the wedding. Uh, uh, Sarah and Daniel did a lot of the work themselves. Uh, the church there, Calvary Chapel of Webster, was uh, they were amazing hosts. Uh, their pastor, Pastor Tompkins, was traveling, but so many other people, and I'm not even going to start naming names, 
because I'll, I'll leave people out. Number one, number two, I don't remember all of the names of all of the people we met, but they were so gracious in, in hosting this wedding. It was strange because as parents of the bride, we write the checks and usually you do the planning and usually you'd, you'd have it in your hometown, but because of, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, uh, both Daniel and Sarah living in Rochester among them, we decided to, she decided, they decided to have the wedding up there. And uh, so we were, we were kind of guests at, at our daughter's wedding and, and it was uh, just lovely and elegant. And the pianist was uh, uh, just incredible. I wish I remembered his name. And uh, he, he, he just, uh, what, what a treat it was on the, the day of the wedding to sit in the auditorium or sanctuary and hear him just play the piano for fun. It, it was amazing. And, and so we have this emotional lag or jet lag or whatever it is. We're, we're delighted. Uh, this wedding was, was so incredibly special. And um, the next day, we, uh, we jumped on a plane and flew back. We flew into uh, Central Florida. Uh, we, we left early in the morning and flew back, and our flights were on time. Uh, even though this is a holiday weekend, Memorial Day weekend, as I'm recording this. And we, we are uh, just uh, full of joy. And we went to our church on Sunday and saw lots of people who uh, were just so supportive and encouraging and loving. And it, it's just such a, it's a special time. And if you've been through this, you know it. Um, it's, it it's, it's jolting in some ways, but but the beauty of uh, this sacred covenant of marriage is is just not lost on us, and we are we are grateful. We uh, love our daughter very much, and we're we're so thankful to have gained a son-in-law. I don't even like calling him a son-in-law. He's he's something more special than that, and uh, it, it, it's just a sweet time for our family. I want to. I, I don't usually, uh, very often, talk about personal things um, necessarily, but but today I'm 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 going to to do so. And I I did walk through kind of my life story in an episode long time ago. And for those of you who've been with Relentless Truth for a long time, you you you've heard that story and and probably remember bits of it, but. There, there's something very special about this wedding that I, I want to acknowledge before God. It was, it is an answer to prayer. And not the, uh, you know, everyone prays for their children to marry the right person. And, and you know, you, you, you kind of teach them as they get old enough to understand that they uh, God willing, they, not, not necessarily. There's nothing wrong with being single for your entire life, but but under most circumstances, they'll be marrying someone, and you you talk about those things, and we did as a family, and and we've prayed um, uh, together, my wife and I, for Daniel, not not by name. We didn't know his name for many years, been, and that that's just incredibly special to have this answer to prayer. But when I say that this wedding was an answer to prayer. I'm actually talking about something else. And I, I want to explain what that is because I, I believe we should acknowledge answered prayer. And, and I, you know, you think about Israel in the, in the old Testament and how they failed to 
remember what God has done. So many biblical characters lost their way and failed among the things that we do today, even poorly, is noticing, noting, and remembering what God has done. And I want to do that in this podcast episode. And I don't think it'll be boring to you, even if you don't know my story, my life story. I'll tell you just enough of it so that I think this will be meaningful. The story goes back to um, just after the turn of the century in the early 2000s, um, actually the year 2000, I I went to work for um, a bank called Southern Community Bank. And and this this is related to this wedding, uh, believe it or not. But this wedding that just occurred a few days ago here in, in 2023, in May of 2023. But back uh, uh, 23 years plus ago, I went to work for uh, a bank called Southern Community Bank. It was just a little startup bank. They were about a year old. They were growing rapidly. And in Central Florida, everything was growing rapidly. But this was a group of rock star bankers, uh, just all stars, just uh, as, as one of my friends, Rick Kempton says often, uh, players, they, they are, they were a players. These were solid people and they all had expertise at different things. And for who knows why they hired me to be president of their Orlando bank. And they had two or three at the time we ended up with four banking affiliates under one holding company. That detail isn't really all that important. But I, I worked with um, all these talented people, and, and one of them was a guy named Rob Krejci. And if you remember my story, Rob turned 50, and I, I was younger than that, quite a bit younger than that at the time. And, and he uh, decided that uh, he needed to have a colonoscopy. And we, we joked with Rob about his uh, colonoscopy like guys do. It was a room full of guys. We were in some meeting, might've been a loan committee or something, uh, or an asset quality meeting. But it was one of those banking meetings where, you know, there are eight or 10 people at the table and it was, it was serious, but we had a little downtime either before or after the business we discussed. And Rob was telling us about the, the colonoscopy and uh, I'll spare you the details. By the way, if you've not had one uh, and you're over, 40, uh, and you can get your insurance to pay for it. I I would even encourage you at younger ages, although some physicians will cringe at my advice, uh, please get a colonoscopy. It is not, uh, it does not feel invasive. It feels like a good nap. The prep day, the day before is, um, is, is fairly unpleasant, but it's, uh, you know, your colon is, is cleaned out by uh, taking laxatives that are prescribed. You do that, you follow the instructions, you show up the next day, they give you an IV, they inject you with propofol, you fall asleep, you wake up, it seems like two seconds later, but it's actually 20 minutes later, you don't feel anything, you don't have any lingering issues, and, and it's the only way, the only reliable way, the only absolutely reliable way to know that you don't have colon cancer. And and so Rob tells us these stories and I just had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to have a colonoscopy even though I wasn't 50 yet. And I uh this was about 20 years ago. 
as you know. And, and uh, I had been working at this bank for uh, a few years now. And so we're in the year uh, 2004. And I just decided that I should have a colonoscopy. And I went into Rob's office and asked him for his gastroenterologist there. That, that is the specialist you, can, you need to go to if you want to have one. And he gave me his name. His name is Dr. Matthew Apter. He is in Maitland, Florida, and he was most gracious with me. I scheduled an appointment, went in to see him, and he looked at me and he said, you don't have cancer, but I can see that you're anxious and we'll do a colonoscopy to put your mind at ease. And that's exactly what he said to me. He almost laughed about it as he talked about it very casually. I think he did chuckle. And so we scheduled this colonoscopy for a couple of weeks off. And then my boss, John Squires, came into my office and said, a few days after scheduling it, I'd scheduled it for about two weeks from whatever that day was. And, and, uh, I, he, he said, you're not going to believe this, but our bank is being acquired and we want you to handle the coordinate, the, uh, due diligence, um, of, of the, with the acquiring bank. And he named them. They were from South Florida and he gave me key names and contact information, and they were going to come in on a weekend for a couple of days. If you've been through an acquisition, a corporate acquisition, that there's a there's kind of a covert part that has to happen before the announcement. And if your stock is publicly traded, you've got all kinds of rules to think about in terms of disclosure. And so we had all of those issues that were ongoing. And a group of about thirty people from South Florida came up and and they started their their diligence. That's an important part of this story because that was a moment that we had kind of lived for, but we didn't think it would come along so soon, just four years after starting the bank, uh, four, four to five years after starting the bank. That, that's, that's kind of unusual. And, and so we, we, we start that process and uh, that process went extremely well. And uh, I, I, I had my appointment that I described with Dr. Apter and uh, while all this process is ongoing and, you know, if you've ever had to have any kind of medical procedure and you have, you're a professional, you, your, your professional life goes on. And, and uh, boy, this this went on with fervor. Uh, we, we're 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 all doing the math and thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to make four times book book value. And those of you in, in finance you or business, you understand what that means. Uh, that means you're, you're going to get four times what you invested or something close to that. And that was that was just uh, that was an exciting day um, when when we we got this news and and it was even more exciting when we heard that we passed the diligence phase and and we're we're headed toward closing and and so my colonoscopy was scheduled on a Monday and I remember we had this meeting with the acquiring bank and my anxiety began to go up it was it was really interesting I, I think this was a God given feeling. And I, I know it sounds strange to talk like this, but there's nothing else that was giving me this anxiety that, that I know of. And um, we, we had this covert meeting. I say covert because we still haven't announced the acquisition, the fact that we're selling the bank. And that would, that would be a big deal to, to all the shareholders and depositors, board members, folks who had, who had uh, uh, borrowed money from us and, and all the rest and, 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 and the employee base. And so we went out to the Orlando Executive Airport to uh, the second floor of a building that uh, I had financed uh, earlier, uh, interestingly, uh, in another part of my career. And we, uh, we met in a conference room. And I had 
uh, what I would, I guess I would call a panic attack. And I'd, I've never experienced anything like this. I couldn't hear the people in the room. I mean, I, I shook their hands and, and, and I remember some names and, and, and pleasantries. And then we sat down uh, with our bank kind of on one side and there there's on the other, this big conference table. And it was a celebratory festive mood, but I couldn't, I, I, I kind of had tunnel vision and, and couldn't hear. And it, it was, it was the strangest thing. I, I, I guess it was a panic attack. I, I don't know what else to call it. And so I went out in the hallway and called my wife who was uh, in the administration of what was called Florida hospital. It's now Advent health. And, she had about 500 and some nurses who reported to her in, in the uh, women's services area, OBGYN and uh, pediatrics, all that, all those nurses reported to her for six hospitals. And so she was fairly influential there. And I called her and said, do you think you could call Dr. Apter's office for me? I, I really think I need to have this colonoscopy sooner rather than later. And she said, well, the only day you could have it would be tomorrow, which is Friday. And I don't think you can do that. And so I said, would you mind calling? And she said she would. And she knew I was in this big meeting. And I went back into the meeting and then she called me back. I walked outside in the hallway and took her call. And she said, yeah, you're not going to believe this. Don't eat lunch. Go home. Start the prep and when your meeting's done. And uh, you, can, you can have this colonoscopy tomorrow. And I, I just knew that, that something was wrong. And I, I had the colonoscopy and... I learned that I had a golf ball sized tumor in my sigmoid colon. I later learned through scans and other things and ultimately surgery to remove 20 inches of my sigmoid colon. Um, and then they resectioned my colon effectively, thankfully. But I learned that this was a stage three colon cancer. That means it had traveled outside of the colon wall and not to go into lots of medical detail, but that's, that's not a good thing. That's, that's, that, that lowers your survival um, chances uh, substantially. So uh, I was in for it and uh, woke up from this surgery to learn. Um, and and they, they had given me a drug called Versed, which isn't as kind to your memory as uh, propofol, the one they use now. And my poor wife had to tell me again and again, that, that I had colon cancer. I'd fall asleep. She'd, I'd wake up. She'd tell me I'd fall asleep again. I'd wake up and say, how'd it go? And she'd tell me again. And I remember a dear sweet nurse whose name I wish I remembered uh, so I could do a shout out to her. But she walked by and she said, um, I was in the room during your colonoscopy and this is not a death sentence. The shape of your tumor is advantageous and I think you can survive this. And there, there was a little bit of hope there. Then that afternoon, I, I went home. I called my physician, Paul Sovereign, who's a good friend, actually called me. And, oh, he had this brutal conversation. I could hear the worry in his voice. He was shocked. I had just had a physical with a fecal blood test, and it was clear. And, and so uh, just a few months earlier, and so he was, I could just hear in his voice that he was stunned. When you're in banking, you're trained to read people. And I mean, you, you better be really good at reading people or else. And I, so I hear the nuance in voices and pick up all kinds of things. And that, that just made my anxiety just go through the roof. Well, my first thought when I, when I kind of sobered up from the drug that, that was used to sedate me 
for the colonoscopy, my, my first thought was, wait a minute, our daughter is five years old. She was about in a few months to turn six. And my first thought was, well, wait a second. I want to walk her down the aisle at her wedding. I want to go to her wedding. And it's hard to even talk about now. But I just felt this tremendous loss thinking she's just precious. And, and oh my goodness, I mean, she was, she was this sweet, um, is <laughs> this sweet, brilliant child who, uh, you, 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 I mean, I, I know everybody thinks her children are brilliant, and, but, but she really was, <laughs> is. And she, she learned like, like her, her vocabulary was incredible. There, there's a, there's a young man in our church who is a son. Uh, he's very young. I don't know how old he is. His name is James and he's adorable. And, and he, he reminds us of Sarah at that age, but you know, they pick up on words sooner and their vocabularies are immense. They start reading at very early ages and she knew all the shapes and got bored with triangles and squares and circles and went to parallelograms and prisms and all the shapes and, it, it, it was it was amazing, and uh, Donna and Bill Grimmett were dear sweet people. Donna was a nanny for Sarah. Connie continued to work, and during her early childhood, and 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 uh, they 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 helped us get through this this really challenging period. As did so many other people. My parents came down during my surgery and and made sure Sarah got to school and. All, all the rest, uh, but, but, but I, I had this tremendous sense of loss and my prayer was, Lord, please preserve my life and let me walk her down the aisle. And, and just now telling you about it here, recording this episode is really the first time I've processed it emotionally. If I can speak that way, I'm not sure I know psychologically what that means, but, but I, 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 I blocked it out so that I wouldn't fall apart walking down the aisle. Actually, what I was trying to do at the wedding four days ago is, is absorb every moment and notice the nuance and make sure that Sarah and Daniel have, you know, make sure I do my part, whatever that was, and it was minimal to ensure that they have a very beautiful, special wedding. And, and, and so our goal was to be gracious to everyone we met and, and try to, you know, be encouraging and supportive and, stay out of the way and all those things. And, and I think we did that, but, but what an answer to prayer it is that, that God preserved my life against the odds. I, I, I had to have um, chemotherapy for six months and I had these three, three drugs and, and they, it was brutal. And, and I had to have an IV port installed in my chest and, one of them didn't work right after a few weeks. And so we had to get a new one. So I had a couple of surgeries and then I had a herniation at an umbilical hernia at the site of my colon surgery and had to have surgery to repair that. And, and then, and then yeah, just a bunch of surgeries and, and, and the chemotherapy. And I, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing golf back then and I was young enough to hit it a long way back then. And I, I had to stop all that and, and, you know, recovering from surgeries and dealing with chemo and, 
I couldn't, I couldn't drink cold things and because <laughs> one of the drugs had uh, cold dystesia was the uh, physicians, you know well, what that is. It's, it's where your body reacts to cold things. And um, if you live up North and you do this kind of chemo, you have to wear mittens all the time and you really can't reach in your refrigerator. It hurts and, and you can't drink cold things. So I had to drink room temperature water, which made business lunch. I kept working and and bless their hearts, the brilliant bankers I mentioned earlier, uh, people like Tom Coletta, who is a dear friend, uh, and and plenty of others would, um, and John Squires and others would take me to lunch, and we tried to keep like a normal life going. And they, I, I mean, I, I was extremely stupid from a short term memory standpoint during that chemo because it, it affects you. And um, they they were so gracious because I'd, I'd have to you know tell the waiter at the restaurant, no, I can't have water with ice in it. it needs to be room temperature not just not just cold water without ice but room temperature water or, or you know lukewarm or i'd order hot tea about half the time just to keep from having to have a long discussion about the temperature the water needed to be that sort of solved it and and i i couldn't eat spicy food so i would just you know order chicken and hey, please don't do anything to make it taste good because but i mean you know small sacrifices and and you and you have you know the stomach aches and headaches and, and all the rest. And you're taking all kinds of drugs to cope with the chemo. They, they kind of got it down. I, I have to give a shot, a shout out to Bob Reynolds, my oncologist. And, and he was so gracious with me because boy, my anxiety was very high. And I, I started reading all the statistics online and I, and he finally looked at me and he said, well, your statistics are either zero or a hundred. You're either going to have a recurrence or not. And, and that wasn't very helpful, but, uh, he, he was a kind, is a kind, loving man who has retired, um, what a godsend he was to, to our family through all the ups and downs. And I could, I could, there's a guy named James. I wish I remembered his last name in, in the chemo room, a chemo nurse who, my goodness, what, what a warrior he is. And, and he really got me through all of that. But my point in telling you the story is that God answered prayer and I got to walk my daughter down the aisle four days ago. And I, I, by the numbers probably shouldn't have survived and God healed me. And there were, there were ups and downs along the way. But when we got to year five, Bob Reynolds called me and my oncologist called me and I had a scan at that point and he said, well, it's been five years, you're home free. And I started crying. I'm driving down the road. And he tells me this got him on speaker and, he, and he, I'm driving home from work. And, and, uh, he says, yep, you're not going to have cancer. You're back. You're back in the percentages of the normal population. <laughs> and that, that was just hard to hard to process. God's I, I want to acknowledge God's healing, God's blessing. And, and I want you to feel it with me. I want you to know God answers prayer and, and he answered our prayers and I have some stories that I can tell you. I'm not going to tell you all of them. I'm going to tell you just one, I think. Um, and then I, I want to acknowledge something in scripture and to, to encourage you. That's something that encouraged me during this season. Um, you know, we, we kind of phone in Christianity sometimes. We, 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 you know, we don't always feel it. We don't always focus on scripture when we read it. We don't always study it with with vigor. And, and I, I just finished teaching a series at our church, a 12 week series on the book of Romans, which is really hard to do, but, but 
those folks in that class know that I, I absorb every, or try to absorb every word, every, every backstory, every historical fact, every, every Greek word, all of its meaning and the way it all fits together and what Paul had in mind as he writes that amazing letter. And, you know, I, I kind of surveyed it here in this podcast um, a while back and you can go back and, and, and listen to that, but, and I'll talk about a particular passage in just a second, but there, one of the things I remember distinctly, in addition to wanting to live long enough to walk my daughter down the aisle, one of the things I remember distinctly was thinking, oh my goodness, what do we tell her? If she's got to go to school tomorrow. What do we tell her? And, or, or that was on a Friday afternoon, so she didn't have to go to school till Monday. And uh, I remember just the whirlwind and, 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 calling our pastor, associate pastor, a guy named Tim Bonarigo. R.C. Sproul was our senior pastor, but we didn't know him at that point. He and I later became good friends. But, you know, Tim came over to our home on Sunday afternoon, and uh, I just, you're, just, you're just blown away. And I, I remember talking with him. But, but, but our thought was that we would not lie to Sarah. We didn't want to lie to her. And so we... My wife is masterful at, at, at these things. She's tender and, and sensitive and smart and all, all the things that you, that you want your best friend to be. And, and she, she said, well, let's tell her that you're going to be going to the hospital to take medicine, that you've got to have surgery because you have an illness and, and that you're going to go into the hospital and, and, uh, have to go there for, for about six months and take medicine and it's going to be a little hard, but, but you'll, you'll get well and, and uh, everything's going to be okay. And, and so that's what we told her. And you know, it, that, that doesn't work with a really smart child, just so you know, but um, she's also, Sarah's also, and she is to this day, one of the most loving, kind people you'll ever meet. And we're so blessed. This is ridiculous to have to talk about in a podcast episode. I'm not sure why I'm taking this on, <laughs> but we, so we, we didn't tell her the whole truth and we, but, but we told her that, you know, enough. And my parents um, stayed with her. They so graciously came down and, and uh, stayed with her. Like I said earlier, made sure she got to school and had her meals and all of that. And uh, I got through chemo and six months of chemo and uh, that was tough. And, uh, you know, lost a bunch of weight and all that, but, but I, I had plenty to lose, believe me. And, and, uh, made it through the other side of chemo and, and, oh, our, our bank changed hands. And I remember getting a copy of the newspaper A nurse brought a copy of the newspaper into the hospital and said, Hey, that's you. And on the first page of the business section and, and it's announcing a merger. That's a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd give all that money back to get out of this hospital and, and know that I could be healthy. Well, in God's providence, I, I, I did get to get out of that hospital and, and eventually returned to good health. And so I remember one of the things I didn't get to do that I really enjoyed doing because Sarah was a good swimmer and by now she's six, six years old. And I remember I, I, I we were, we were going to go get, we were going to get in the pool on, on a certain day after school and after work. And, uh, I remember telling Connie uh, that we need to tell her the truth now. 
and and I and you know that I had cancer and because because now you know I'm on the other side of chemo and life is good and we can tell her and she's smart and and we owe her the truth we felt guilty for not telling her the truth and I remember taking her out to the pool and holding her hands and looking at her and I said Sarah there's something I want to tell you and she looked up at me and, and she she just is a an adorable kid or was an adorable kid she's an adorable adult now but she looked at me and she said dad is this about cancer and i said what do you mean and she said i knew and i said well how, how did you know i said you mean you knew the whole time she said yes she said grandma and grandpa would put me to bed when you were having your surgery and they were really worried about you and uh they said you had cancer and I said, why didn't you tell mom and me that you knew? And she said, well, I could tell you guys were really stressed and I didn't want to trouble you with that. Can you imagine a five-year-old who, and that's just who she is. She's so kind and gracious. So anyway, I, I kind of had a laugh with her after that and just said, wow. That's amazing. She's well, I, I went in and asked my teacher and she had some wonderful teachers back then during that period. And uh, I think Mrs. Trainum was her first grade teacher. And she, she, she said, I, I didn't know what cancer was. And so I went in and asked her and she told me all about it. I said, so you talked about it with your teacher? <laughs> she said, yes, but I, I just didn't want to trouble you and mom with it because I, I knew you guys were really dealing with a lot. And, and so there we were, and I was able to, you know, hug her and tell her I love her and explain that it was good that I had made it through chemo and, and that my percentages were way better. And we started treating her like an adult pretty much then and have ever since and in a lot of ways. And so what a, what a sweet time. And I, I am so thankful that, uh, thankful for her, thankful that I did get to walk her down the aisle. And, and I, I know some of you, and I'm thinking of some of you who I know listen to this podcast and you've lost loved ones to cancer, that awful disease that I hate. And I'm sorry. Uh, I don't really have survivor guilt, but man, I know how horrible that disease is. And there are probably others of you who've been impacted by that awful disease. The numbers are astounding. I mean, back when I was diagnosed, it was like one in six or seven people would, would have cancer. And, and now I, I don't even know the numbers, but it's much, much higher. And my heart goes out to you. I'd be glad to pray for you if, if you're dealing with this awful disease. If you have questions about colon cancer or colonoscopies, don't hesitate to contact me at John at johnwarrenmedia.com. I'd, I'd be happy to, to try to be helpful to you. It's uh, amazing. I, I, I don't want to take time in this episode to cover all of the things, but I, I just hit the highlights and, and I, I really wanted to talk about this to give glory to God and remember uh, answered prayer. There's a section of scripture that almost seems I don't know, superficial, if, if you haven't really experienced any, anything like this. But 
I want to I want to just read this section near the end of Romans 8. It starts in verse 35. I mean, you can start a lot of places. <laughs> uh, you, you can go back to verse 31. What, what then uh, shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And then this is the part that I wanted to focus on, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? <sighs> I'm so sorry. This is just hard to read now. Or distress. Or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now listen to this. This is amazing. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am so sorry for all the emotion, but I hope you heard that. Or if you didn't, because I'm probably speaking, I'm probably babbling now, but I hope you'll read that section at the end of, of Romans 8. It says nothing will separate us from the love of God. And I trust that and I believe that. I don't believe it because of my experience. I believe it because it's in his word and my experience confirms it. And I hope that's encouraging to you. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. That's, that's really it is um, this, this amazing promise that nothing will separate us from the love of God answered prayer that I could walk my daughter down the aisle and, and a wedding and I know to everyone else there, I seemed like the father of the bride who walked my wife down the aisle and then circled back. And after everybody else on the wedding party came in, I got to walk my daughter down the aisle and hugged her and told her I love her. And it looked like any other wedding. It wasn't. It's incredibly special. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. And I'm thankful for this audience and I, I get these kind comments. I, I just got a few this morning about another episode and I, I so appreciate this work and I'm thankful that I get to do it. You're, you're truly a blessing. I'll get myself together and we'll have another episode <laughs> next week. Sorry. I didn't know I was going to fall apart like this, but please like share review and subscribe to relentless truth. You know, you know, by now you can find us wherever you get your podcast. I'd love to hear your comments. You can use our contact form on the website or, send an email directly to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. Thanks for bearing with me during this episode. And I look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. <laughs>
That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.